guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. The year was last year. The summer was last summer. The weather, disgusting. (laughs) So hot. Incredibly warm. Like, too warm. Too warm. It was myself... In a group of godly missionaries, we journeyed to the great village of Philadelphia um, together. It was a wonderful trip. I don't know if anybody else in the room was there. I know there was. Keefe, you were there. It was a great trip. We went to Philadelphia to be missionaries to this great city, Um, but it was literally insanely hot. And I thought, you know, we're going to be fine. We have water bottles. We're going to be, you know, in the AC when we're inside. You know, the van that we're in is going to have AC. Um, I was wrong. The church we went to, the day before we got there, the air conditioner broke. Guys, it was triple digits in Philly, and there was no AC in this building. I found out very quickly that David needs air conditioning (laughs) to survive his day-to-day life. It was hot, it was awful, and um, it was just really just such a bad time. Except like it was partnered with like we did a lot of good things. Like we handed out food to people. We got to tell people about Jesus. But then also it was very, very, very warm. I was just continuously sweating. This might be a little too much uh, you know information for you, but here's the true fact. We would go from place to place in a bus, no AC. I was sweating. We would mm, get in the shower. Guess what? No AC in the upstairs shower. I was sweating inside the shower. After the shower, I was sweating in the church. I was sweating when I was sleeping. I was continuous sweating. And I had a mantra during this whole ordeal, okay? Because it was so hot that I couldn't even handle my own hands against my body. I couldn't handle that. So I said this over and I said it loud and I said it often. I said, it is too hot for touching. And I said it over and over again because I couldn't handle my own hands against my body, let alone when people would come around me and they'd put their arms and say, how's it going? Bad? When you put your arm around me, it is too hot for touching. There were points of that where it's like, okay, I just need to get away from all people because you guys are always trying to touch me. You're always trying to crowd me. If I had a boat, I would have gotten in it and gotten away from them. Guys, yeah, exactly. Like, and I think, not Jonah, but in the, in the book of Luke chapter five, Jesus might have felt the same way. Look at your neighbor and say, man, that is a stretch to get into this. And I know that's true. I'm so sorry. Um, but welcome to the final week of the series that I've been calling Seaside Sessions. Um, get ready. It's going to be a fun time. The first week we talked about, anybody remember? Mm, close, close. That was last week. Last week we learned, don't be like Jonah. But the first week we learned that when Jesus is around, the storm can't take you down. And last week we talked about, just don't be like Jonah. Easy, gross, he's a bad guy. Don't be like Jonah. And this week we are going to talk about Luke chapter 5 and the fact that you are gifted and you are called. So let's just get into this. Grab your sunglasses, grab your fishing pole, and uh, let's just jump into it. The event that we're going to talk about tonight, it happens in the very early part of Jesus' ministry here on earth. He, it's before he's around the 12 disciples, it's before he's like, I mean, he's, you know, he's doing a lot, but he, before like, a lot happened. So he's baptized. He went through um, 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. And now he's out here. He's preaching and he's teaching to these people. And a great crowd of people start to gather around him. And he's like, yo, I, I think I'm going to need some space. So that's where we, we pick up our story with Jesus here in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says this, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of Galilee, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him and, and to listen to the word of God. Now, sometimes... Great crowds 
pressing in is a lot of fun. I've been to many concerts where it's a lot of fun. You know, the energy's up, it's really good. But you know, sometimes you just gotta get away because it is too hot for touching. So I think this is what Jesus was thinking. And uh, in verse two, it says that he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now, Simon Peter was a fisherman by trade. So he kind of knew what was, was going on with fishing. You know, he knew that the best times for fishing were when it was not as bright, right? So the lights go down. So they did a lot of fishing overnight because they would start when the sun started going down. They would stay out until the sun started coming up. And that was kind of how fishing went back in the day because that's when the fish are biting or swimming into the net. At this time, they're not really biting. They're swimming into the net. Um, and so Jesus finishes preaching and he looks over at Simon Peter and he goes, now in the middle of the day is the time to uh, let's go out deeper and let down our nets to catch some fish. Now, I myself, of course not you because you guys are perfect, but I am not a fan of when people try to tell me how to do my job or things that I'm really good at. So like if someone comes up to me and they're like, here's a little, like some tips on the way you're drumming, it's going to take me, it's going to take all of the Jesus inside of me to respond with grace um, and kindness, which is exactly what Peter does here in these next verses. He says, because Jesus says, yo, let's go out in the middle of the day to fish. And I would have been like, yeah, bro, in the middle of the day, I just fished all night and I'm sleepy. But this is what Simon replies and said, Simon Peter, he says, master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners from the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. All right, that is a lot of fish. What do you do with that many fish, guys? I don't even know what to do with one fish. One fish in my possession dies instantly. I, I don't know. You don't know how to cook a fish. I don't know what to do with any type of fish, right? So they have so many fish that the boats are sinking. They're just going down. Now, you may, it's it's actually a good thing. My brain says bad because I don't like fish, so I don't get it. But back in the day, we're talking 30 AD here. So people are basically living day to day just to find food. <laughs> um, this is not like, oh, let's live in comfort. No, it's like, I need food today so that I can survive to eat more food tomorrow. That's mostly what was on people's mind day to day. It was just like, am I going to eat? Yes or no. Uh, so this was a clearly a huge miracle in these people's lives because not only did they have enough food to eat right then, they had the food to eat for a little bit while later, and then they had enough to sell which was this great miracle. And Peter recognizes that this was a miracle because the fish were actually sinking. Like the fish were sinking the boats. And it wasn't because Nemo was there telling them all to swim down, you know? You know what I'm talking about? They're like, swim down, swim. No, it wasn't because of that. It was because there's just so many of them that it was pulling these ships down. That's how many it was. So uh, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, I, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, and the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Simon Peter not only realized what happened, but he also recognized who Jesus was in this moment. He recognized, and then he recognized who he was. He saw who Jesus was, and then he recognized who he was. Um, he saw that he was in the company of the divine and thought himself unworthy to be there. But, he didn't know this yet, but Jesus had come to close the separation that sin brought. And he, he was like, Jesus was like, listen, bro, it's going to be okay, like, we're going to hang out and you're going to be cool with me because I'm here to fix this where you feel unworthy because I'm going to make you worthy through me. So he doesn't know all that. That's a spoiler alert for later. For later. Um, but right now Jesus replies to these pleas of like, hey, leave because I'm not, I'm not worthy. He just says this back to him. He goes, don't be afraid. 
For from now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So let's just address this right away. Um, fishing for people. Now, it does seem like that's not a great thing, right? Fishing for people, um, it does seem like something you shouldn't do on the internet, which is true. You know, don't be fishing people on the internet. Um, it also seems like we're trapping people in nets. Not a great thing to be doing. I agree. Don't, like, physically fish for people. This is a metaphor. Jesus is like... Fishing for people, what does this even mean? It means that he's telling Simon Peter, I just sometimes will say Peter, sometimes I say Simon, it's just like the Bible, so get ready for that. Um, so he's telling Peter here that you are going to uh, spread the hope of me around. You are going to preach my name to people and people are going to be caught in the net of the gospel and they're going to become Jesus followers. That's what he's telling Peter right here. So it's not, it sounds weird, but it's not weird, I, I promise. So that's the main text of what we're going to talk about today. And anytime that you are reading the Bible, you should ask some questions, right? Always ask some questions when you're reading the Bible. The first question I love to ask is, so what? And the next one I love to ask is, who cares? Um, so I ask those questions a lot. So gently high-five your neighbor and say, so what? Just gentle high-five and say, so what? So what? Now look to your other neighbor and do a little boop on the nose and say, who cares? <laughs> Silly. Yeah, a little boop on the nose and say, who cares? Yeah, so what? Who cares? Well, here's the fact that I want you to remember tonight. And the fact is that you are gifted and you are called, okay? You are gifted and you are called. You are gifted and you are called. I want you to remember those words. You are gifted and you are called. Now, I understand there's a couple of really churchy words in there, so let's just break this down a little bit. You are gifted. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean, I'm not saying you're special. What I'm saying is that God has put gifts and um, talents into every single one of that, into every single one of us. And he's saying, you know, that's my gift to you is this talent, this, this thing that you are good at. So you are all gifted. And on top of that, Jesus is asking every single one of us to use those gifts and use those talents to further his kingdom to do the work that he's assigned us to do. So you are also called to do that. He's calling you to work with him, alongside of him, to further his kingdom. So you are gifted and you are called, okay? Gifted and called. That is what you guys are. Um, and the fact that you are gifted and called should impact every single moment of every single day. So you are gifted and you are called, but your gifting, your talents, your abilities without Jesus can only go so far. So Peter and the boys were out working all night long, right? They were doing a lot of hard work out there. All night long, they were throwing out those nets, pulling them in, zero fish, nothing. They did all this work and nothing happened. The next day they go back out and Jesus is like, yo, throw those, throw those nets in. They do the same work. They're doing the same thing where they're throwing nets into the water, pulling them in. This time, an abundance of fish. What was the difference? The, the difference was Jesus. Jesus makes the difference. We can only go so far working in our own power. We need Jesus by our side. Okay, so far <laughs> this year, my favorite game has been Elden Ring. I know there are not as many gamers in here, but Elden Ring is just a wonderful game that is awful to play. I don't know how else to describe it. It is wonderful, but it is awful to play. You spend hours at a time trying to beat one boss, and you just don't sometimes. Uh, I was on a particularly hard boss uh, in this point in my life, and it was just like, I got through phase one. I'm like, okay, I have his movements memorized. I put in the time, I put in the effort, I put in the work to memorize exactly when I needed to dodge, where I needed to go, how to get away from the lava pits, I was doing really good. Second phase would hit, would die over and over again. No matter how hard I tried, I was like, this is just not, just not working out. So then I gave up and I used Google. And Google told me all I had to do was turn to the left when I entered the boss room and there was a spear that does, 
double damage to the boss and basically put the game into easy mode. So then I walk in and grab the spear and it's just instantly. The spear made the difference just like in your life, Jesus will make the difference when you were using your gifts and your talents. You can try to go through your life using your, those gifts and talents that you have on your own, and a lot of people do. You can look out into the world and you can see a lot of very talented people using their talents, sometimes for good, sometimes for own, their own selfish reasons, but they're out there doing it. But I fully believe that when you let God be a part of your gifting, the Holy Spirit will guide you to a place that you could never have gone or would have chose to gone, go on your own. This doesn't mean that you won't have to put any work in, right? Just because you're like, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to help me. I don't have to do anything. You're still going to have to put in your 10,000 hours to master whatever you want to be doing for Jesus. You're still going to have to put in the work. Whatever you want to do. Is it going to be music, speaking, sales, video games, um, parenting, something sporty? Who knows what it's going to be? All I know is that you are gifted and you are called. And when you put in the work and you have Jesus come alongside of you, only good things are going to come from that. So... You have to invite Jesus and to be involved. So invite him in when you pray. Ask him to be part of everything you do. Ask for guidance. Ask for wisdom and counsel, and he will give it to you. So there's another thing about gifts and talents that is kind of sometimes the worst, and that is certain gifts and talents are put up on a pedestal over others. Um, a lot of like stage gifts and gifts that are like in front of people, talents that are in front of people, get kind of put up on a pedestal. Like that's the best one. Like I want. That's the one I want. But Paul has something to say about this. Um, Someone who's really good at listening and understanding another human being, I believe that talent has more impact on the kingdom of God than any drummer ever will. So just know those things. Like Sometimes your gift might not be with the shiniest one, but God uses every single gift um, in, a, in a big way. So Paul says that the big C church, which is you know everybody, um, is kind of big old body. And um, the people of the church are made up of parts. So we are the, the parts of the body. And it says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Uh, so what he's saying here is that we are all the church, right? Every single one of us. Every Jesus follower is a part of this church, and we all have different talents, and we all are different body parts of one big body, right? Some people here are feet. Some people are, you know, hands, eyes. Some of us are the brain. Just saying, I'm probably the brain. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 12, 17 through 22, he says, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Imagine just like a foot, but it was alive and talking to you. <laughs> that's, no, thank you. <laughs> that's, that's some revelation, probably. I don't know what's going on there. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. It's easy to get jealous of other people or to see what's expected of us and fall into the trap of trying to be someone else or something else that we are not called to be. To be someone else or something else that God hasn't gifted us to be or told us to be. Because it's easy to see what's going on around us and be like, I want that. Or to see what's expected of us and to fall into what people think we should be doing. Let's look at uh, our guy Peter here. Okay? He and the boys went out onto the boat and they were fishing all night. Right? We talked about this. Zero fish, guys. He was not a good fisherman. But back in the day, that's just what you did. He was a fisherman because his father before him was a fisherman. And he had the nets and he had the boat and he had all the stuff there. So he's like, this makes sense. I'm going to be a fisherman. But then Jesus saw him and he called something different out of him. 
Um, Jesus fished with like, his father before him. His family had the boat, and it all led to Simon Peter being a fisherman, but a bad fisherman. Um, Jesus saw what he was doing and called him to something different, to be something that he never would have thought of to be on his own. Jesus became a leader, I mean, <laughs> Peter became a leader in the early church and caught more people, meaning that he helped more people find the hope of Jesus than he ever caught actual fish. Because Jesus called that out of him, because Jesus saw who he was when he didn't know who he was. Over in Matthew, we can read about a time when Jesus again looked at Peter and he called out what Peter didn't know was there. Jesus says, um, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples and he, he asks his disciples, he's like, yo, guys, who do people say that the son of man is? Meaning, you know, himself. And they all start responding. They start saying stuff. They're like, uh, we, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say that you're Elijah. Some people say you're this great prophet. And then Jesus looks at them and he goes, yeah, but, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, our guy, he responds and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus pumped about this. He's like, all right, you nailed it on the head. You know exactly what's going on here. So he says in Matthew 16, 17, he says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Peter got close enough to Jesus to know Jesus. And then Jesus showed him who he really was and gave him a new name. Jesus wants to do that with all of you in this room. He wants you to get close enough to him that he can call out to you the gifts that he's put inside of you, call out to you the new name, what he's called you to be. Um, And as you get closer to Jesus, you'll start to understand this more and more. As you listen to his voice, you'll start to understand this more and more. Maybe it's the you that you didn't realize that you could be, but Jesus will see it inside of you. Because Jesus knows the real you and will help you find the real you. You are gifted and you are called, and that's going to be different than everyone else around you. So be open to the voice of Jesus in your life. You can call, um, you know, he can call out the gifts in you that you didn't even know you had. It says in Philippians uh, that God will give you the desire and power to do what pleases him. So let him do that. Let him give you those desires, the desires um, that will please him. And this means you might have to be open to some new things, but seek Jesus in everything that you put your hand to. Now, this shouldn't feel overwhelming. I can remember being your age, even a little bit older, and hearing sermons like this, hearing people talk like this, hearing people tell me, you're going to do great things for Jesus, and it being completely overwhelming to me and terrifying because I'm like, well, okay, I have to figure this out, right? I have to figure out what does that even mean? I have to, if I don't pick the right thing, then people aren't going to get saved and people are going to be disappointed and God's going to be disappointed in me. And I was freaking out inside, like, I don't even know. And every single time I thought like, oh, I want to do this. There was something inside of me that was like, that's what you want, not what Jesus wants. And I was like, oh no, but maybe I can do this. It's like, no, 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 no. It was very confusing and it was a little scary because I didn't know, but it shouldn't be confusing. It shouldn't be terrifying because truly the fact that God has gifted and called you shouldn't be overwhelming because he knows you and he's going to use what he's already placed inside of you because he put it there. He put those desires in your heart. Our brains work in certain ways where you're naturally good at things, right? There are some things that you're like naturally inclined to be good at, naturally like make your way over to, and Jesus made your brain that way. So maybe you really want to be and you know you're going to be a good history teacher or maybe a biologist or you know you're going to be really good at um, being a parent or um, being something in music. Go that way and let Jesus use you in those things because he's put that desire, he put the way your brain works, he put that inside of you. Just do those things to the best of your ability and Jesus will use that to further his kingdom. Peter wasn't a great fisherman, but Jesus saw his potential and called his real gifting out of him. Will you let Jesus see you?
I've said it a lot, but this is going to involve you um, inviting him into every moment of your day and opening up to hearing his voice. During the week that I spent in Philly, uh, we were ministering to a lot of people. It was really hot. Everyone got really tired because it was exhausting. (laughs) It was exhausting because we were busy. It was exhausting because it was really, really hot. And it was exhausting because it was emotionally draining. We were shown the brokenness of that city. I've been there many times before, and I'd never seen that side of Philly. I always go to like the fun parts, you know? I always go to the parts where like, this is the best city ever. And then they're like, guess what, guys? It's not the best city ever. I mean, it's a great city, don't get me wrong. Um, But there's a lot of brokenness out there, and we got a front row seat to all of it. There was a lot that stuck with me. Um, A kid named Eric, I'll never forget. I pray for him a lot. (laughs) Uh, He was seven and had to watch his like five siblings every day by himself. And he was... Uh, lived in a house across the street from a park where hundreds of people were doing heroin every day. And Eric will never leave my brain. Uh, So I I learned things like that there. And something else that stuck with me forever is the clear hopelessness of the city. Um, You could see it in everything. You could see it um, in the piles of trash all over the street. You could see it in the faces of the people using drugs. And you could even see it in the attitudes of the cops in the area. Everyone was hopeless, right? Everything said that the place was hopeless and nothing was going to get better. But we were there with a church pushing back on that narrative because Jesus is the hope for the area, right? That's our job as Christians. That's our job as Jesus followers to say, hey, look hopelessness in the face and say, guess what? Not today. Hopelessness isn't going to win this day because Jesus is here with victory over hopelessness. So we cleaned up a park, we gave food to the unhoused population, and we told them about Jesus because Jesus is the hope for everyone. And as God was pointing out all this hopelessness to me, I I really felt it there. I was like, holy cow, the hopelessness is insane. He reminded me and doubled down on the calling for my life to help the church bring the hope of Jesus to people that need it. He reminded me and he asked me to finish some classes that I was taking and to take steps to what he called me to do. He reminded me that I had said yes in the past, but now was the time that I needed to say yes again and go deeper into his calling on my life. And now I'm here. I'm a certified minister of the gospel, which is crazy. Crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, I sometimes get mail that says reverend on it, which is scary for everyone involved. Yeah. Everyone should be scared. Yeah. It is scary for everyone involved. But you are gifted and you are called and Jesus is asking you to start taking steps and start saying yes. Uh, In our story, Luke chapter 5, Jesus first walks over to Peter in the boat and asks him, hey, can I get in this boat and can we go out a little bit into the water? Peter responds with, yes. So Peter and Jesus get in the boat and they go out into the shallows, into the little bit of water. They hang out there. Peter gets to learn about Jesus a little bit. And then Jesus asks him again, hey, can we go out into the deep water where the fish are? And Peter responds, yes, again. And then later on, Jesus says, hey, you are going to be a fisher of men. And then again, Peter says, yes. He says it over and over again. He says yes to Jesus. And that's what Jesus is asking us to do. You are gifted and you are called. And, the part, and part of living out that calling in your life is saying yes to Jesus every single day. It's going to start with saying little yeses. And then eventually you're going to get to the big ones where it's going to get scary. You're going to start off in the shallow water, but eventually you're going to start saying yes and you're going to find yourself in deep water where all you can do is rely on Jesus to get you through. But it starts with saying yes in the shallows. It starts with saying yes to the little things. Our gifting, our calling, our relationship with Jesus is a journey from shallow out to the deep where it can be dark and scary. But what does that even look like, right? How do you start saying yes? Well, an easy yes for every single person in this room right now to start saying yes to using your gifting, saying yes to Jesus, is to start volunteering. 
here. Start volunteering here. Apex is an easy place to start volunteering. If you can sing, if you can play an instrument, say yes to being on the worship team. If you're good at talking to people, maybe say yes to working up in the store. Find out what you're good at. If you're good with tech stuff, say yes to Derek and help him in the back. Whatever it is, whatever you are good at, whatever God has called you to, start saying yes to those things. A little bit deeper water, maybe you start helping out at church. You greet people at the door. You help out with the coffee. You help out with video. You help out with sound. Whatever you need to do, start saying yes to Jesus as he calls you further. We have a food pantry. Say yes to volunteering at the food pantry. We have cleanup days here at church. Just say yes to raking leaves. Whatever it is, say yes, because that's what Jesus is asking of you. He's going to give you opportunities over and over again to say yes, and you have to choose. Am I going to say yes and take another step into the deep, or am I going to say no and pull back and not live out the calling God has for you? Maybe the deepest and scariest waters, you know, for some people in this room are that God's calling you. Maybe he wants you to do a Bible study at your school or a Bible club, or he wants you to gather the guys in your life around you and say, hey, we're going to start reading our Bibles every day. Those are scary steps. Telling your unchurched friends about Jesus, those are all scary steps but you can say yes to Jesus and you can do that because he has gifted you and you are called. It says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Seek Jesus. He's going to tell you where to go. He's going to give you opportunities to say yes. And as you do that and you grow closer to him, he's going to show you even more. As you depend on him more, put your trust in him more, he will show you which way to go. And it's not going to be scary. It's not going to be confusing because it's going to be in line with his will and it'll feel right and you'll know it's, it's him. Uh, I know you guys know the song and it's probably a little bit overplayed, but the words of the bridge are a great prayer. Um, and the words, you know, guys, oceans, you know where this is going. The bridge goes like this. It goes, spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the water wherever you call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Say yes, like Peter did, because you are gifted and you are called to use those gifts to further the kingdom of God. Jesus, help us to realize that we are gifted. Help us to find out where you are calling us to serve. Help us to see the talents and the abilities that you have placed inside every single one of us. If we're having trouble seeing it, just call it out of us as we get closer to you. Jesus, help us to move in those gifts and callings. Help us to trust you. Help us to say yes to you. Help us to move from the shallow waters where it's easy out into the deep waters where it's going to be scary and all we can do is trust in you. Jesus, be with us as we do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.